If you're not mad about ads, and that's fair enough, choose the Dave McWilliams Plus option on Apple Podcasts, and you can hear this podcast in all its glory without the ads. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? It is time for the podcast. Hope all is well in your world and the week is going well and the week ahead looks all okay, John. I am still juggling up things of Doki Book Festival and literature and all that. Of course stuff. you are. Yeah. This yeah. is the this is the mad run into the, the uh, mad run into to Doki. Can I just say one thing though? You can. Congratulations, David. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm always really worried when he's actually puts on this serious face. Four this years. Stuff. Four years today, we are podcasting. Four years. No way. Yeah. Are you serious? That's worth a little nod to. Four years. Back in 2019. It doesn't feel like that at all. Before that. The pandemic. uh, The pandemic. It doesn't feel like that at all. Well, that's wonderful. And listen, more to the point, thank you for listening. Absolutely. Thank you for supporting us, for listening, for your time, because everyone's time is unbelievably valuable. And the fact that you give us some of your time every week is something that we really appreciate. I endorse that you endorse message. <laughs> yeah. And on, on, yeah, well, that's, that's, that is good. You know, I had a very strange experience this morning. I went upstairs and I, my Shan was crying in bed oh? and I was really worried about it. I said, why are you crying? This is Shan because she loves God. literature. Right. She was reading Jude the Obscure by Thomas Hardy, <laughs> which is an incredibly sad book. And she was just bawling, crying. I'm sorry, Sean, but what this, happened to Jude? This is our world, John. This is the world I inhabit. Oh, my God. You think that doing the podcast is a chore? It's actually a break, right? right? From melodramatic What moments. the hell happened to Jude? Jude you... and his kids. It's a very, very, very sad book written by right. Thomas Hardy right. in the 19th century. And but <sighs> okay. floods of tears. I right. thought I know you. You go say, oh, "Fuck, what have I done?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, no, but that's what literature does. You know, it's it's interesting. Certain people, literature gets into their heads mm. in a way in which, for others, it doesn't. For others, it's just an experience of storytelling. Yeah, but for for great literature, does emote these extraordinary emotions. And and obviously, Thomas Hardy was an amazing writer. Yeah, and uh, I live with the. Uh, ebbs and flows, the vicissitudes of great literature, which can lead to... Well, that to, must be amazing to allow amazing. yourself to be 
taken over by it. Yeah, and Shan is one of the one of the great readers of our times. Yeah, she's constantly she reads all the time and reads kind of, you know, what I would say like classics. You know, she was reading Middlemarch the other the other you know George Eliot. These are huge Victorian books, very very hard to read, but Middlemarch, which is again it's a sociological sort of uh, invented village in England, again in Victorian, but due the obscure. Whatever it did, the floods. Yeah. The floods. Jesus. The, the, the floodgates opened. Anyway, enough of that carry on. Oh. Let's talk about what's what's annoying you and S- what's, serious what's, on your, stuff. what's on your what's on your economic radar this week? Well, quite a few things actually. I tell you what, let's start with America. Because I'm I'm curious about all the, the noises coming out of America is talking about kind of debt ceilings and, oh, yeah. you know, the yeah, government yeah. going to fall off the, the, the precipice and, right. you know, fall off the cliff. And, and, and they're going to shut down government. They're going to, I don't really understand this. Like, how can you shut down a government? And why, and why would you even want <laughs> it's, it? It's, it's, it's a bizarre thing. By the way, we are going to be talking about Irish sovereign wealth funds. Oh, that's another thing. What to do with in a minute. And another thing. And another thing. <laughs> I'm not prepared to stay quiet about, says John. And I have two pints, please. And one last thing, right? I have something in my mind that I am not prepared yeah. to let go. A dog with a bar. Okay, the debt ceiling is a bizarre, almost uniquely American creation. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we know that America is deeply divided ideologically, right? And we know it's has never been as ideologically divided. And on the one hand is, just in terms of shorthand, are mm. the Democrats who spend more money. Mm. And on the other hand are the Republicans who claim that they spend less. Yeah. But in actual fact, in power, the Republicans always spend more. Right. So it's okay. a very strange yeah. trope to use that, you know, nom de jour, okay? It's a very strange sort of canard fiction, right? So... What you have is within the Republican Party, you have, of course, the remnants of the Tea Party. Yes. Right. And the remnants of the Tea Party are the base of Donald Trump, Mm. who tend bizarrely to be the people who would most depend on government if they could because they're poorer. But they have adopted this bizarre situation where they embrace the politics of Elon Musk, even though they live in a trailer park. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes no sense. All the red states are are, are kind of... And they're poor. Yes. So for them, a line in the sand is government spending. And the way they calculate this is the amount of debt the United States is incurring. Mm. Now, the first thing to say is the United States debt, gross national debt, has increased dramatically over the last 20 years. Not Mm. over the last two or three years, over the last 20 years, right? And the way... Why? Because they spend lots of money. Do you know what they spend lots of money? It runs deficits, it's got current account deficits. Right. You know, the United States, and it's also got this, what they call the exorbitant privilege of having the world's reserve currency. So if you have the world's... For now. For now. So if you have the world's reserve currency and the rest of the world needs dollars, because the rest of the world is always short of dollars, right? It needs dollars. So the Americans can actually run deficits. And it's proven that they can run deficits of enormous deficits without impacting profoundly on the rate of interest charged on those loans. Now, the rate of interest is going up now, but that's because the Fed Reserve is actually raising interest rates. And the long-term interest rate is only the short-term interest rate plus a risk premium. Yes. So it's not the apocalyptic scenario where you would get in Argentina or you got in Ireland in 2012, where in actual the markets just shut down for us. There's yeah. no evidence of the markets shutting down in America, right? right. And that enormously pisses off Republicans because they believe in what I would call blackboard economics, 
right. right? Which is if the supply of something goes up and up and up and up and up, eventually the price will fall. Yeah. Right? That's that kind of um, household economics versus Precise. government economics. Well, I would yeah. say, yeah. So so they 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 take the Margaret Thatcher view that basically the government is like a household. Yeah. So it, all households have budget. And if you expand your budget deficit indefinitely, you go bust. Yeah. But the problem is if you print money, there's a difference then between the issuer of money and the user. So you and I are users of money. Yeah. Now, our kids might think we're the issuers, right? <laughs> but we're, the exactly, but we're not. We're users. So we have a budget constraint. Yeah. But the state, on the other hand, the United States, the Fed combined with the Treasury, doesn't really have a budget constraint. And the budget constraint should manifest itself in the rates of interest, mm. what we call default premiums. But there is no default premium in the United States at the moment, right? So the Republicans are really pissed off about this. So... Your friend Trump, okay, yes. who is now bereft, having been charged, accused, and found guilty of sexual misconduct. And right? still doubles down on right? everything, okay. yeah. Is now trying to appeal to the base, and he's saying now that the debt ceiling has been breached. So every couple of years, the Americans have this, the Congress, they all sit around and they say, okay, we're going to borrow this much and no more. Mm. And every year they get to this day where the debt ceiling has been breached and suddenly they do a backroom deal, you know, smoke and mirrors, the whole thing, and they increase, mm. right? So they increase the amount of debt the United States can have. So it's now $31 trillion. Just stalled of all there for a second. The debt ceiling is what? Give us a definition of that. It is the roof, the ceiling on the amount of debt the American government can incorporate. And it is nothing more than a piece of paper signed by Congress. But where does that and number come the from? The number comes from a way in which the Republicans have tried to be to discipline. It's all about discipline, okay. right? We cannot do this. And it comes from the Tea Party, right? right? We cannot possibly have a debt ratio more than X, right? Right. So now the American economy is... But is about, it based on any equation no, or... or no, no, It's a David Drum thing. It's a finger in the air. You have plucked it out of your arse. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, the equation that you speak of yeah. materializes if the markets reject American debt. Then you have default premium and then interest rates in the long term in the United States will go through the roof. Okay. Because okay. the expectation is America would default on its debt. Now, the, the fascinating thing about defaulting, right? What the Republicans, because they are so... That type of Republican is so economically nihilistic and ill-informed. What they're kind of saying is that on the 15th of July, we'd hit the debt ceiling and then America can't pay its bills. Yeah. So we will default on some obligations of the state, right? Mm. Yeah. And then you say, well, how many obligations? And they say, oh, just some, right? Now, the problem is it's like you can't be half pregnant, right? Yeah. It's the same thing in default. You can't half default because yeah. then you cross default against everything. So I think eventually they will do a backroom deal and the debt ceiling will be raised. As they've done over the years. But, but what's fascinating now is that the chaos that is created by the fear that America might default would typically in political circles be something that most politicians would try to keep a lid on, the chaos. But the way in which American politics has evolved, the chaos is the currency for most of these fucking agents. Right. Right, because yeah. they're on CNN now saying debt ceiling. So the, the the very chaos that politicians should always be trying to remove is the very oxygen of publicity 
that these Republicans want to get them on Bloomberg and CNN yeah. and to get them on, I was about to say Tucker Carlson, but he's gone now, isn't he? Yeah, he'll crop up somewhere Yeah, else, but, but some of the things, yeah. right? So you have this bizarre rail politique going on where there is a massive incentive on the part of Republicans to ham up their indignation and to go right down to the wire because it gives them publicity, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas it's very clear that the Biden White House is trying to take the heat out of this situation. The background noise, of course, is the fact that there is no debt crisis in the United States. It's an entirely manufactured crisis, yeah, yeah, right? It's, it's, so it's not a situation where the markets say to the Americans, we won't accept your paper. On the contrary. So it's it's all theatre. And, and and the upshot of this is, 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 is actually quite serious on a personal, individual basis. Because what it does is it creates this background of, of fear and tension and anxiety. And that in itself gives rise to all sorts of other social shit that goes but on. I, and... Yeah. As a general rule, anxiety is not good, which is why you're still taking your Prozacs. Yeah. <laughs> We're all taking John and I are munching away here, okay? Right? But there is one little element here. Mm. In the financial markets, just imagine they don't get negotiation. Just imagine the Congress decides not to right. hold back. Just decide the Republicans decide, let's try and bankrupt the country. Why let's set, just let's set the house on fire because yeah, okay. they're because they're kind of mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, the Trump supporters are mad. Yeah, yeah. Right? MTGs and the Boberts and all those all crazies. That, that stuff, right? Yeah. So let's imagine they decide, okay, do you know what? Let's set the house on fire for the crack. Mm. Right? Okay, and see what happens. They're trying to bring down Joe Biden. There are people in the markets now will be buying options. They'll be buying call options, which are the option to sell the market at today's price. So there is a risk that the right. whole thing does melt down. Like, we think it's bizarre, but the amazing thing about the world is it doesn't always work logically. So, so, so there is a risk that they actually don't do a deal. Right. And there is a risk that the United States defaults on the half-pregnant idea, right? That in fact, what happens is Congress isn't able to cobble together another extension. Yeah. In this case... Financial markets are looking at a default in the United States. Crazy as it sounds, because the Republicans believe that you can have little bits of default, but we know you can't, uh -uh. right? Yeah. There is this strange outside chance, maybe 15, 20%. And there's a huge movement in financial markets to bet on that. So how you bet on that is you buy what are called put options. So you buy the right to sell something at today's price in three months' time. And if you think prices are going to fall, it's a very low-risk, low-cost option preventing against what I would call catastrophe. So this right. is catastrophe finance. So there's there's lots going on. And then, of course, what you would do is you come happens? on television after you make a fortune when the market falls after yeah. there's a big chaos. You say, oh, I didn't really mean to profit on other people's misfortune, but, you know. <clears throat> and this is a whole hedge fund. So there's a whole hedge fund of short sellers who right. are queuing up now, betting on... So they're, they're shorting the country. Well, they're shorting, yeah, what, what they're basically saying is that in the event of a US manufactured default, mm. everything will fall in value because it's a crisis. Yeah. And therefore, the position you want to be in there is short of the market when that happens, right? So they're doing this. But I mean, let's get... The reason there's a risk here 
is because in contrast to previous crises, United States politics has become unbelievably divided. You know this, right? Yeah, yeah, Since yeah, Trump yeah. came in. Yeah, yeah. So in the old days, do you remember the four horsemen of the apocalypse these talk about, <laughs> Tip yeah. O'Neill and these guys? They'd sit around with their Republican counterparts and say, listen, lads, do we really want to go here? Yeah. Do we really want this? And most of the Republicans would say, and they'd say, look, you do this and the funding to the military will collapse and they're your constituency or mm. the funding, you know. So they do the backroom like politicians do yeah, yeah. deals. But now because ideology is so ingrained and because there's so many mad people, frankly on either side, but particularly on the Republican side, mm. that there is a chance that they just, the whole thing goes up in smoke. Which is kind of mental. Okay, and say they do a deal, but this is going to come around again and again and yeah. again. And so that's why it's is there an deal. ultimate no. ceiling? No, well, this is where, look, there is a school of finance and economics, which I call endism, right? Right. It's my own term, right? right? People who believe in the end of things, right? Yeah. You, I see them all the time. They're environmental endists. There's, you know, ecological yeah. endists, right? And they believe that there is, you know, it's a very biblical idea, right? So the Bible is based, and all religion is based, on the day of reckoning, that you arrive up at the pearly gates and St. Peter has a fucking charge seat, yeah, right? he's a clipboard. He's clipboard a clipboard. He says, he says, McWilliams now, right? And he goes through your list of sins and he adds them all up at the end. He says, and he says, sunshine, you're on your way down. Yeah. Lucifer's waiting, right? Yeah. The day of reckoning, okay? So that is a very biblical, it's a lovely image. I think the image is great because it's a balance sheet, a moral balance sheet. It's, a, it's, a, it's an inventory of your life, yeah. right? And so consequently... I'd be a bit nervy now. Oh, I'd, be, I'd be shitting myself, right? And I think most of our listeners would be shitting themselves too, right? So think about that. That So that's a biblical idea. And that's where the morality of money and money... You know, there's a lot of people who believe that money and economics and finance is a morality game yeah. about good and bad behavior. Yeah. Uh, bad behavior. We're going to talk about this in a second. Bad behavior is spending, good behavior is saving. Right? Yes. So they believe it's a day of reckoning. And so they would say the debt ceiling is only a simulation for what will happen sometime down the road where there is a day of reckoning and the whole thing goes... Right, yeah, yeah. That's horseshit. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, right? Yes, you do have economic crises. Yes, those crises are sometimes forecastable. And yes, there may well be a figure somewhere in the future where the United States cannot pay their debts. But in that scenario, globalization will have been over, the dollar will have collapsed... The United States will have had huge deficits. It'll have a government that can't function. China will have emerged. It's basically, it's the endist worldview. Yeah. It comes yeah. from my friend Max Nordau, right. a 19th century writer who wrote this book called Degeneration, right? A fine book. Right. But a little bit pessimistic about yeah. the world. Not a great laugh. Not a great laugh. You're not bringing them to McKenna's. You're <laughs> right. not bringing Max. Sit him in the corner. Say, Max Nordhout now. Just give him some grits. Let yeah, him okay. shut up. You know, you're basically saying to Max, is a Tator King. <laughs> yeah. right, sit in the corner. So that is the debt ceiling. That, that's fascinating stuff. Because, you know, all this is going to play out in the in the next uh, little while. Yeah, so. a couple of weeks. Yeah. We're, in, we're in an interesting few weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely we are. Yeah. So... Come here to me. I'm here. The other, the other big story of last week on the home front yeah. is, of course, this huge windfall that we've yeah. uh, come into and this sovereign wealth fund. And then the big argument, of course, is, which is a bit ironic given that we're in a cost of living crisis and all the rest, 
we're arguing about what the hell are we going to do about this? Let's talk about that. I want to get into that yeah. after we earn a bit of wealth. Exactly, exactly. Wealth provision. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. So we've come in for a few bob in our back pocket. Yes. And there's loads of discussion of what we should do. Should we stick it under the mattress? Should we put it into Bitcoin? Should, we- <laughs> should we put it on the horses like Bertie Ahern? Yeah. But what should we do Paddy with the this plasterer, money? one of the finest horses that Absolutely. ever come in. <laughs> Absolutely. So what should we do? Okay. I mean, everybody, loads of ideas. And I know, can I just say this one thing? That I know that... With this kind of money, it's not something that we should put into kind of day-to-day expenses. So this is more for either further down the road or big capital yeah. expenditure or something like that. And there's loads of different ideas. What's your well, take on the it? The first thing is it's very clear the Department of Finance are listening to this podcast because we have been talking about a sovereign wealth fund. I, I, I suspect it was one of the first podcasts we did was on the sovereign wealth fund. Right. right, probably was Which actually. Was basically, yeah. the, my idea has always been to take some of the excess money that is coming in from the multinationals mm. and figure out something to do with this, as you said, over and above current spending. Yeah, and the reason is because of the structure of the Irish economy is so bizarre that this money will continue to flow in. To that, us. that was the Apple money at the time. It was the Apple money yeah. and it was also the difference. It was triggered by the Apple money. Yeah, yeah. And it was the difference between what the multinationals pay and what they ought to pay given various different That's rates right. of taxation. Yeah, I remember that. So now. here we are. So the after many years of campaigning for this, the Department of Finance has obviously decided to fold up their tent and say, yes. Fair enough, the check's in the post, right? So that's the first thing. Now, quite interestingly, in 2022, Mm -hmm. when there was the discussion about whether or not Ireland would go from 12.5% to 15% tax, the Department of Finance came out with a statement saying that we would actually have a fall in corporation tax revenue. And as you might have remembered, this podcast said, no, we would have a rise in tax revenue, right? So let's just think the background noise is very strange. Now, Tax that revenue. is true, actually. Yes. I know it is. Yeah, yeah. They, never, they never own up <laughs> yeah, to this stuff. Yeah. But you know, tax revenue is different. But So basically what has happened, right, is that because a significant chunk of the Irish economy operates in this extremely high-velocity international world through the multinationals, 
that significant chunk, it's about 10 or 15% of the workforce, mm. generates an enormous amount of tax revenue because the productivity of those workers is so much higher than everyone else simply because they are working in a capital base which is plugged in to corporate America yeah. rather than into the domestic economy. So as a result of this, John, I don't believe it is accurate to call this a windfall because a windfall, which is what most economists call it, means that it's a one-off. Yeah. It's an unusual thing, yeah, right? That's yeah. a windfall. That's what we understand by the term windfall. I believe this is a continuum, that this will continue to generate excessive taxation revenues over and above what is needed for the economy at any stage in time. Yeah. So that's the first well, thing. Th- th- I mean, that's that's a good point, because why would it stop? Precisely. Yeah. Precisely, right? And this is the first thing. So what happens sometimes when people see something which is unusual, as a general rule, we think this is a one-off. Yeah. But in actual fact, this could well be the new normal. I'm not saying it will be the new normal, yeah. but it could be. So basically, economists look at taxation revenues and they ebb and flow, and people can argue are they're going to flow, are they going to ebb. I think this taxation is as likely to flow as ebb in Ireland, is all I'm saying. I'm right. not saying one or the other, but, you know, it's as likely to flow as it is to ebb. Yeah. So you might have this stuff coming for quite some time. Now, the Department of Finance says, we're going to put this aside, right? And the problem is, of course, what they've done is their usual thing. Is they said, we're going, to put, we're going to pay down debt with this. Yeah. That is the most fucking stupid thing I've ever heard, right? And I'll explain to you why. Why? Or we're going to put it into a pension fund for future generations. Again, another unusual thing because it shows the pension fund idea shows an extraordinary obsession with the income of people when they're getting old rather than the opportunity of people when they're getting young unless you create an economy where the young people are generating tax revenue you will hit a pension crisis anyway irrespective of what you do with your excess okay yeah 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 because what i was going to say is we we are an aging population and you know there is going to be a pension crisis but what you're saying is there is you see i'm not sure there is so this comes back right these are all assumptions right the population is aging here there is absolutely no doubt about that okay yeah and right now maybe the population is at its sweetest sweet point i think it's about four workers to every one retiree right? right what is very clear to me is going to happen is that the pension age is going to increase here. Just say, politics is a very simple bet. If you encourage the middle-aged to bet on policies that's going to enrich them as they get old, you're going to get voted in. Mm. Think yeah, about of course, this, right? of course. So yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a slyness in this as well, yeah. right? The other thing is that with the way in which demographics are going to change, with the way in which immigration is going to change, it's not necessarily the case that the Irish population is ultimately going to get Profoundly much older. Mm. But much more interesting is what type of society do we want to create here? Do we want to create a society that rewards us from getting old and at the same time penalizes people when they're young? Yeah. Which is exactly what we're trying to do here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I see think, that. I think that's completely wrong. So mm. that's it's part that we'll talk about in a second. The other thing is the idea of using current revenue to pay back debt when you are in a monetary union. Like the, imagine this, we're in yeah. a monetary union with Germany and France, incredibly old countries. The rate of interest that we face in a monetary union for our debt is determined not by Irish workers, but by old German pensioners. So we are in a situation where paying down debt makes no sense at all. 
at all. It makes no sense in anything because our growth rate is much, much quicker. So, but but can I just ask you that the interest rate is rising, so therefore our repayments are the interest rising. Rate, the interest rate is rising not because our debt is going up. The interest rate is rising on Irish debt because the ECB is increasing interest rates yeah. to get rid of inflation. But once it gets rid of inflation, interest rates will come down again. Right, okay. So this is... Yeah, 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 you know, sure. The Department of Finance in Ireland is intellectually traumatised by previous debt crises. One in the 1980s, early 80s. Mm. One in the late 1980s. Another one in 1992, right? This was all before we joined the Monetary Union. It's all the same the, fellas in there. And the, well, it's the, it's the DNA of yeah. the thinking. You know, institutions have DNA. I've mm. always felt institutions yeah, yeah, have yeah, I know institutional mean. thought processes. Yeah. And of course, they look at the 2012 currency crisis, or the debt crisis in Europe and in Ireland. I mean, we weren't in an IMF program. But the reason we were in an IMF program was because the economy completely collapsed. Yeah. And when the economy completely collapsed, because of the policies that the Department of Finance endorsed. Yeah. So yeah. they were the people who actually stood over the policies from 2000 to 2008. The craziness. Yeah. yeah and yeah, then yeah, the economy yeah, collapses. Yeah. And then they go and get the IMF. And then rather than learn from their mistakes, they just simply act as, it's like PTSD. Right. Right. And because of PTSD, they don't think straight. So what I'm saying is using this money to pay back debt, madness. Really right. madness. And it comes back to this point that we made the other day, which is that paying back debt is just using easy slogans to replace hard thinking. And economics is all about hard thinking. So the thinking is, how do we create, with this money, a society that is as dynamic as possible? And the dynamism we create pays the taxes to actually pay the pensions of people mm. in future, rather than, and it comes back to officialdom in Ireland, not understanding the magic of money, that money is an energy. Yeah. I come back to this all the time, that basically, if you see, and it's not a slag on accountants, but we do have a cut of accountants all the time, but we do love you, yeah. right? <laughs> but basically, if you see money through the prism of a balance sheet, what you are doing is you are elevating dull accountancy over vibrant economics. Yeah. If you see money as an energy which animates people's ambition, which actually generates commerce, then what you see is putting money, like paying off debt, is effectively what you're doing in a monetary union, mm. right? Where your debt has been priced by Germany and nobody else, is you're basically taking money and you're burying it in the ground. Right. Right? Yeah. Actually, yeah. Imagine doing that. Like we know that Pablo Escobar did that in Narcos, <laughs> yeah, okay? Yeah. Like, you, so this is, this is the Narcos approach to the tax money. Like, yeah. So what Pablo did was he actually buried it all, the dollars in the ground. This is what the Department of Finance is saying. We bury it all in the ground, yeah. right? Just one last thing on the, the, the amount of money coming in, right? US and China are in, a, in an effect a new Cold War. Mm. The American approach now to investing abroad they're calling friend-shoring. So it used to be called offshoring, right? Yeah. Now it's called friend-shoring. It's basically American companies are being encouraged by the State Department. Yeah. They're getting taps on the shoulder. Right. Americans are very interventionist, right? Yeah. To, if you're putting your company abroad, invest in countries that are friendly to the United States. Yeah. Right? This is basically the new global reality. Who is friendlier to the United States than Ireland? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Right? We're everyone's best mate. Everyone's best mate. Yeah. Joe Biden is here, the whole thing, the yeah. State Department here. So I think we will see more 
not less American money coming in. This is why I think it's much more likely to be a flow than an ebb of the yeah. money. Okay, so, so right, we are 2023 Ireland. Let's have a look at a few issues that are, that are affecting us. Yeah. So what about the big capital expenditure, yeah. like housing? Like we talked the other week about moving Dublin Port. Yeah. Like some high-speed rail links up to Donegal. They don't even have yeah. a rail link. What about fixing the HSC, fixing the Department so, of Education? What about all of that kind of your, energies? You're is absolutely big right. Look, Irish public infrastructure is appalling. Yeah. Irish public transport, I don't know if you know, was voted the worst in Europe. I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise it's me. It's appalling, yeah. right? The Irish Rail Service is appalling. There is no metro here. As you said, the public infrastructure, with the exception of a couple of roads built about 15 years ago, is lamentable. Mm. So what we have is we have a society that has the growth rate, I've said it before, of Connecticut with the infrastructure of Albania. (laughs) So what we've got to do is we've got to spend this money on infrastructure. Yeah. Right? Absolutely crucial. And I actually think we're going into the era of engineers. Now, to cut out accountants, we don't mean it. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually also believe that engineers are the future of Ireland. Yeah. That we need to well, over-engineer where, this country. It's where, where innovation comes from. It's where some innovation comes from. Not all, but some. But, okay. I, you, but you are right. But, yeah. So basically, we need to be run by engineers for about two decades. Yeah. Go back to our John Gray fella. Yes. And the, and the Vartry Reservoir. Yeah. We need to over-engineer the country. So rather than take the rail system, rather than sticking little bits of new railway on an old system, we simply have to create an entirely new rail system. Just do it, Mm. right? Build not on the existing lines, but parallel to the existing lines. So you actually CPO the land. I was actually on the train to Limerick the other day, Mm. last Thursday. Ireland is empty. The yes. place, it's empty. That, that's farmland, Mac. So, so that's what trains go across. So what you do is yeah. you basically CPO some farmland yeah. and you create in parallel to our rickety old train service, high-speed links. Yeah. And the reason you do it is to reimagine the country. The reason you build infrastructure is to make life nicer. Mm. And trains are environmentally more friendly. They're actually unbelievably pleasant to travel in. So. You're absolutely right. This money, spend it on public housing. As we've said before, you could provide all the public housing requirements of this country for free with this money. You yeah. could do it. Yeah. Now, of course, what the economists are saying is, remember like last year, oh, well, we don't have the money. Now we've got, oh, well, we've got too much money. Yeah, yeah. This we we is, don't have the people. This is just a lack of imagination. It's a lack of courage. And it's a lack of any ability to see the big picture, which is this country needs to adopt what I've said before, this 10 million mindset. Yeah. So that's the first thing. So you're absolutely right. Spend on as much as what. But the other thing, John, is what type of commercial society do we have to create? Because one of the dilemmas of a rich country is like the second generation children of rich people is you get lazy, right? Right. Living off the inheritance, right? Yeah. So how do we, as a society, inject the entrepreneurial spark that is necessary to create a nation of startup businesses? Because the only way in which you become 
a society that can actually stand on its own two feet is if you're a commercial society. Mm. If you generate the environment that is good for commerce. This is what I've always said. Rather than create pension funds for old people with this money, we should create startup funds for young people. It's the young people in Ireland that don't have a house, that pay very, very high rents, yeah. that are in precarious employment in many, many cases, that are the first generation for a long time who are going to be poorer than their parents, who can't launch themselves in their 20s, and we're doing nothing for them. So I've always thought, imagine you take a certain chunk of this wealth fund, and because it's going to be in liquid assets, so it's going to be in the shares, because that's what's going to happen, right? Yeah. They'll do what they always do, which is, oh my God, we've lots of money, let's put it in shares and walk away. It's called the NTMA approach, right? Yeah. But the joy of those shares is that there are liquid assets. And you can use liquid assets to de-risk illiquid investments. And by that I mean is if I am a young fella or a young girl and I want to open up a business, Mm. the problem is finance. And the problem is the banking system will always require collateral from you. Typically in Ireland, a house or a bit of land. Or even worse, some sort of underwriting from your parents, right? So what that does is it means the the already rich can only play the game of commerce. Yeah, if you yeah, think yeah. about it, right? Yeah, I know. So what you it's mean. it's you know it's 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 the middle class can only play, but the way in which you liberate society is every class can play. So can you imagine giving each citizen a piece of this wealth fund, exclusively to be used as collateral to de-risk their new companies, right? You'd at the very very minimum create a startup culture. Yeah, the banks could take the collateral. The young entrepreneurs get the financing and away they go. And in so doing, you completely create a new type of Ireland, a new type of Ireland that's absolutely fit for the 21st century because the old Ireland isn't fit, Mm. right? Because we've just said it. So what is really frustrating is that the officials and the department of this, that, and the other can't see this, that money is, we know what it's like to have no money. We can remember that. Mm. If you had said to me in the 1990s, we had no money, but can you imagine when we have loads of money, we actually won't spend it. Yeah, it's yeah, It's a yeah. bizarre idea. Yeah. Not only will we spend it, we won't even use it. Yeah. We'll stick it in the ground and pay off debt. Yeah. So what you have is an amazing scenario here, an amazing opportunity to use this money to change the society, to use this money to make the society better, and to use this money to reimagine what Ireland could be. I think that's a prize worth thinking about. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 